0: Me, it's a nice idea to revisit the albums have an excuse to revisit the albums it seems 10 years is a reasonable excuse the first one i assume
1: went fairly well
0: yeah the first was great and honestly i kind of feel like doing it for each one just because i like the idea of playing it's a nice nostalgic trip for me if people other people are interested then it'll it'll be nice
1: are you a nostalgic person
0: sometimes when it, when it's when I sort of force myself yeah. to be, and I think in this case, I don't think I've listened to the album in at least five years, and it sort of forced me to listen to it again, to rearrange songs and get re, re- familiarized or familiarize myself with who I
1: was at that time. Who were you at that time? Well, that's hard to say. You can probably put yourself in the place that you were at that time. Yeah, you were yeah, coming off of yeah. a very successful first record,
0: and and that's the thing. I mean, for me, album albums are the documents of where I am at a given moment. So that's why that's what i mean so this album has a lot of uh, like some loud thunder spoke directly to my impression of the music industry and my struggle with coming to terms with what I found it to be, "Satan's a Dance" was another one. It was, it was very, it was very much uh, reacting to what was going on around me, and there was a lot of maybe not aggression, but there was uh, clearly on that album trying to figure out what was going on.
1: I'm surprised to hear that you were in sort of a bad place, or at least having an adverse reaction to the music industry because it was a popular, it was a popular record, and it sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I
0: didn't expect it to be very popular. I thought we needed to build a little bit more before we were
1: thrust into the spotlight. Your aggression was that it got too big too fast? I thought that it, that it was,
0: I mean, I did so many interviews and yeah. I did so much, uh, and we played so many shows. And I remember one of my earliest shows in New York was opening for the go-betweens mm-hmm. by myself. And they are a legendary band and one of my favorite bands. And they pr- played at the Mercury, Mercury lounge for, it was half full. And this was how naive I was about the whole business was that I thought, of course, you know, it's a it's going to be sold out and b a band like the go-betweens they should be playing you know madison square garden yeah, so i thought yeah and uh anyway my point my point is like we did do a lot of work we did more work than people realize on the first album and and on the band itself before we you know went on tour but i thought we had it handed to us a little bit too easily at the time i would have preferred to have it slowly build. It would have really made things easier for me anyway.
1: Were you dealing with that kind of imposter syndrome at the time of like this really great band that's been around for decades is playing half sold out shows. Why are we where? A we little, are?
0: a little bit of that. I mean, now I understand why it doesn't matter how, how great they are or how much yeah. better they get. It has nothing to do. It's, it's very arbitrary. It's still a struggle to see how arbitrary it really is. But yeah, it was, to me, it was a reaction to a lot of that. Were you
1: able to enjoy early success at the time?
0: Yeah, sometimes. I mean, here and there. Yeah. I think in retrospect, I should have enjoyed it a little bit more than I did because I was, I was very self-critical and full of doubt. Even if things were going well, even if I look back and I say, Oh, actually, that was a pretty good show. Why did I think it was just awful? You know, I always think that things need to be, be- or should be better when we play live. That's very, very occasional that I think that. It actually went well, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I feel compelled to give people more than they ask for. <laughs> if there's not, uh, if they're not riveted, then I feel like something's wrong.
1: You know, I, I mean, I noticed you guys were sound checking for a while. It yeah. seems like you're, you know, we're working through every nuance, every drum fill, yeah. everything in the set, even though you know it's just five of five for you. Well, that's another thing that
0: I, I learned is that. You have to take your time and, yeah. and set everything up and get it right. And if you don't do that, you just kind of... I think what was happening was we were on tour so much in the early days. And uh I remember playing a tour... I played about six weeks in Europe, and then I came back, and I had about five days off, and I had blown my voice out, because then I didn't really know how to control my voice. I didn't know... Singing from your diaphragm. Screaming and, yeah. behind the mic, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I didn't know to control all of that, because I just wanted it to be just raucous up there. I just wanted it to be a, sort of falling apart. And
1: you want to leave everything you had on
0: the stage. Right, and I loved that kind of show, and I felt good after that kind of show, when I just kind of, like, killed myself. Yeah. But it didn't make for make it very easy to have five days off and then go on another five-week tour. And I remember playing in Philadelphia, and I was totally hoarse. And I thought, they're going to boo me off the stage. This is going to be just awful. Not that these people didn't know what they were listening to, but I realized that a lot of people kind of like filled in the gaps, what they wanted to hear. Mm. That's what they heard at a lot of these shows. And I thought we got away with things a little too easily. I shouldn't have been disappointed. I should have just worked anyway by myself to make it better. Uh, Because everything, everybody was just there in support of Mm -hmm. the band. Mostly
1: it was that. It was less,
0: it was less that we were getting things too easily that people were just very
1: attached to. You know, I was in New York at the time when that, that album came out and it was, it was impossible to get into your shows. So I think just the, uh, the act of having actually got into one, people were probably willing to put up with a lot at the time.
0: Yeah. But it had to do. Yeah. And it had to do with something besides the performance necessarily. And And I've actually started to, come to understand that it often does have something to do with you can make the most sophisticated album and it can go over everybody's heads Hmm. and but you can develop a certain style and people find something to attach themselves to but you have to let one thing be one thing one thing be the other
1: i I mean i have to imagine that revisiting the the second album i I mean i think it was it was fairly well received but it wasn't nearly at the level of, of the first one no
0: i mean i definitely I don't think I meant to, uh, to
1: stir anything up at all, but, but. <laughs> it but wasn't you like, fuck you to your fans? Not really. No, not to my fans at all. <laughs> or it was, the press or. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't
0: know. It might have been more of that than my fans, but it was more of just, yeah, I think now in retrospect, it was more me just sort of testing the waters yeah. and seeing how much people could take. The songs weren't, you know, avant-garde. It wasn't no. that. It wasn't that obscure, the, the songwriting itself. It was just like we made certain sonic moves. That, there were
1: some production choices on
0: there. Yeah, there were some production. And, you know, I did want to sort of shake things up because I wanted to see how much people... But I really did try, you know, really hard on that album. Yeah, But I did
1: still have it in mind that if if people dropped off, if the audience was shed, then so be it. And in the 10 years, do you find that reaction has changed as it become... To this album? Yeah. Has it become fans favorite record in ways it wasn't before
0: it's hard to tell i mean like it really is all over the place i mean yeah people attach them the albums are i'm happy to say every album has its own unique quality to it i think personally mm-hmm. and um, people attach themselves to each one more than any other i mean it could be only run it could be the first one the first one i think maybe mostly because it was the introduction to the band. That's that's how I see it. The second, because it's like relatively obscure, I guess, for for rock and roll. It's happening these days. There are certain chances that were taken that were a little bit um, a little bit more out there than mm-hmm. some of the other albums that
1: happened. So for each one, there's a there's a certain uh, people people like you know they have their favorite. When an album comes out, people react to it as a reaction of the record that came before. Yeah. And it's, and people have had time with it now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand.
0: It's really, yeah, it's really hard to tell. I don't really read much in the way of press uh, anymore. Did uh, you before? For the first two years, maybe. And Mm -hmm. then I just, I didn't understand what the characterization, you know, of myself in the press and I, and, or, or the music. It just, uh, I didn't understand. And I, I, it occurred to me that these people have their own takes based on their own experiences and has, very little to do with me. Often, I was reading it to uh, try to learn something about myself, <laughs> or well, how you proceed by others at least. No, because it was so varied. I mean, yep. it was it was dependent upon the journalists. and that's the way it should be. I sure. think you know that makes sense to me. But at the same time, I, I felt if there were any great insights, I wanted to to
1: take them in. But I, I just found it was so few and far between that I just didn't. The, the great insights. Yeah, when you have any level of fame, and you somebody meets you for the first time their entire impression of you as a human being is based on that interaction. And if you're <laughs> sure. like touring for five weeks at a time with, you know, two, two days oh, yeah. of downtime, you're probably going to give some bad interviews. Yeah, you're probably yeah, not going to be a there. Couple. Maybe you slept on a friend's couch in Boston. And, <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there were certain cases where I was, you know, and I, I I'm amazed that anybody really gives is happy for a whole round of press. Maybe they had a little bit more spelled out than I did, but I did 15 yeah. interviews in a row once in Berlin on a press tour after being in three different countries in one day and flying into berlin the night before and then 15 interviews for i think it was like eight eight hours straight or something like that and i thought you know you can only imagine by the last five it was it felt kind of grueling and i did want to approach people i felt responsible to approach people with the you know the respect maybe i took it way too seriously that i would assume that they'd give me yeah. you know that sort of thing and this in the seriousness that i assume that they gave their jobs or professionalism or whatever it might be and it was sometimes a little disconcerting people phone
1: it in i mean especially like oh yeah not no, no, not, no. not everybody no. that interviews you you're going to be their favorite band or they will have even heard your oh record. sure
0: i know that or yeah or even have heard the music and that's that was that was a, a surprise to me yep. early on and again i was naive but a lot of sometimes. Some interesting work comes out of a certain naivete, you know, about the bigger picture. And honestly, sometimes it really does not matter. It, it's, it's none of my business what people say about me or anything like that.
1: Theoretically, people aren't going to buy or not buy an album based on what a particular journalist thinks of your personality on that day. I don't think so. I don't, I don't really <laughs> know. <laughs> I don't think so. Now that you're revisiting this, where does this record rank for you? Is it among your favorites? Um,
0: I, <laughs> No. No. (laughs) I like it. Uh, What what falls short for you, though? I think that I was doing certain things. Uh, I was extending songs to an unreasonable length for no particular reason than to just do it. And I come back and play these songs now, knowing what I know about songwriting. And I think, what was this guy thinking (laughs) Uh, in a way, there like, are some songs that I really like, and yeah. I think, "Wow, I, I got it right on on this, this, and this." And then there are some songs where it's like, "This looks like a a young mistake." Were you challenging yourself? Were you challenging the listener? I was challenging probably myself more than anybody else yeah. at the time to do something that I I thought two things. I was probably I was probably yeah, as I said I was pretty worked up about everything that was swimming around in my head at the mm-hmm. time so I was doing things to maybe rock the boat a little bit and I was also challenging myself to do something you know I I think five easy pieces I really did try to nail all of those lyrics even though they're extraordinarily repetitive Mm -hmm. but I I, I meant it, you know, I'm realizing that. And uh yeah, we, you know, we meant the whole thing, but that said, there were some standout songs, but it definitely feels like a second album. And not to say that it's bad. I just think
1: that it's, it's definitely very different. I mean, that's the cliche of the second album is, you know, you know, you wouldn't have your whole life or all this time to work on the first one. And then you only have a year or two to work on the second one. Was yeah. that part of what?
0: No. no, I think a lot of it I had already had written before the yeah. first one, actually. Not all of it. I actually, not all. Maybe one
1: song. <laughs> <another> <laughs> thing about it. How much time did you give yourself on the second record? Not a
0: lot. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah, I might have been close. Let me put it this way. I might have been close on some of the other songs, but I probably reframed the songs to fit, you know, the way, what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I was probably close on several of the songs. Like mama, when she keeps them castles in the air, Emily Jean stock. I remember being pretty well there or cl- at least very close, but I, yeah, I didn't give myself a lot of time. And you're right. I mean, that is it's yeah. the cliche because you have all the time in the world to work in the first one because nobody really cares except for you. And then for the second, you're on tour constantly. I remember flying back from Europe and then getting into Philadelphia and driving eight or nine hours up to Buffalo immediately, like straight from the plane to go work on the album.
1: It was a trick, that's for sure. Was I assume there was a lot of external and internal pressure given the success of the first one to make another successful record. Yeah, I I think
0: so, but that was another thing that i had in my back pocket i suppose was that i didn't feel like i had anybody that i needed to impress yeah. and i did not care whether or not they were impressed like i in a way i wasn't like some friends of mine i didn't aspire to do this it just sort of to be of, in a rock band to be a tory and like or to be making money from it or anything any of that stuff i did it because i wanted to i thought it would Because I listen to music all the time, and I have certain heroes, and I like playing shows, but it wasn't anything that I thought I wanted to really do in a bigger way. And
1: all of a sudden you're thrust in this position of, like, this is the thing that you're doing now. Right.
0: And I didn't have any expenses. I didn't have, you know... I wasn't married or anything like that. I didn't, I, I was paying nothing for my apartment in yeah. Philadelphia. This is I the was exact
1: just... opposite of every band in Brooklyn at the time. I, yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: I was just doing it for, for fun. Yeah. And I thought if I made any money or if I went on tour, that was kind of icing on the cake, but I didn't care if anybody liked the second album or if their career was just up in smoke at the time.
1: I, I wonder though, if it's sort of like indifference to other people's opinions ever manifests itself as self sabotage uh i don't know i
0: mean it's possible that uh that's that that was a theory that was put to me
1: after the first song on the the second album and fittingly so when you talk about like sonic experimentation or production choices you really just come right out of the gate with that on that first song yeah
0: i do and 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 in a way i kind of wish i we had just done that to the entire album like we had made it that aggressive but it just didn't sound that good clean that's all it didn't sound it didn't work clean and i tried to make it clean and i tried other variations but it wasn't working so i did have a demo of myself doing it with a drum machine and playing all the parts and and that was easily the best thing that we tried it over and over again and it just wasn't as good as that and it was uh you know when we tried to make it clean we had to figure out a way to distort it we did work on Trying to make it sound like that, uh, as opposed to what people think. But to me, it's perfectly palatable. I mean, yeah. I, I, one of my favorite albums is, uh, White Light, White Heat by Velvet Underground. And it's like, is that the one that John Cale produced? Cale didn't produce that, but I, I'm thinking of, uh, actually, now that you mentioned it, I'm thinking of a Stooges album that Cale produced. Yeah. Raw Power. Mm-hmm. The guitar solo comes in on the first song, and it's like, it's like three times as loud as yeah. anything else in there. <laughs> I love that stuff. And then White Light, White Heat, the song itself, you know, Lou's guitar is, is crazy loud and just totally incongruous with the rest of, and that's what Sister Ray was, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that I loved. It, it was like a challenge to people to, to stick with it. And I if you've ever seen the documentary Rock and Roll Heart, Lou Reed said while they were recording White Light, White Heat, the engineer set them up in the studio and I guess was recording. And he said, I don't have to listen to this to them. I'm just going to let the tape roll and I'm leaving, you yep. know, because I don't need to listen to this. And, you know, I liked, I liked that they were so abrasive and they challenged, you know, and they said, yeah, we'll, we'll do what we like.
1: Was the band really a band for the first couple of records? Oh, I mean,
0: it's, I don't, I don't even, I don't know how to answer that. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I asked because you're the
1: sort of soul. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I, the way it started was I had been writing songs and had a lot of the songs especially for the first album more or less at the ready you know but these guys were great and I i don't the reason why it's hard to answer that is because yeah. I think that these guys were great and I think it worked at the beginning because it's, uh, of
1: our un- sort of a unified energy but yeah. um, The songs might not have actually made it onto tape had they not been around, uh, or at least they were sort of a motivating factor. And in- I think that they
0: were just really good musicians, and I think that I've been lucky enough to play with a lot of really good musicians, but I think that, yeah, all of them just were really good. I, I think it just worked from the first practice. It was like, oh, this is going to work.
1: So the reason why it's tricky is that it didn't organically come together as a band in that
0: not really. You
1: didn't meet and then start writing songs and put this record out.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I would always work on the songs by myself, bring it to these guys. I made more stri- suggestions, uh, more strongly at the beginning for the first album.
1: How important was consistency for you from record to record in terms of playing with the same musicians?
0: Uh, not, not really. Not that important. Okay. In fact, I saw it as, I, I see it and I saw it as an opportunity. And I would always say to, to everyone, look, I mean, if you can't do this album, it's okay. In terms of if you have to, if like let's say you want to go tour with somebody oh, okay. else, let's say you move to the other side of the world, and you can't some, for some reason you can't do this, and that's all right. You don't have to feel beholden. Like I would like you to, but I can find somebody to work with me too. You know what I mean? It's like no hard feelings. I understand why why people do have hard feelings about that sort of thing. Because I think the only person that wasn't that attached to the whole thing was was me. <laughs>
1: for most bands once they've been doing this for you know 10 15 years everybody's dispersed anyway they're all like this always happens right especially with indie bands everybody ends up in you know different parts of the country right and then at some point you have to send out the bat signal but you're in a place now (laughs) where you can really kind of work at your own pace because you can just pick up people as you go along in a way
0: yeah yeah and honestly it's been that way for i think five years yeah at least yeah so i mean really it 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 is okay. It's fine with me that everybody does their own thing, really. And it was from the beginning. Let's put it that way.
1: But you're you're not like some dictatorial personality. (laughs) Not really. I
0: mean, I don't think so. I don't, I don't tend to, uh. You're not a hard
1: person to be in a band with.
0: (laughs) Well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. But, uh, I don't think so. But I do call the shots and I, this did start as my, my songs, my project. It was, it was my thing at the beginning. Everybody knew that. So I, I know that I have to call the shots too. And they expect me to. But I don't. I tried definitely to work with everybody and yeah. pull,
1: hopefully pull the strengths out of each person I play with. You know? Well, This is an interesting opportunity, revisiting this album and the last album and I guess future albums with uh, essentially a new group of people. When you talk about going back and re-examining it, you're like, you really get to put it under the microscope because you're really – you're not just revisiting it yourself. You're re- kind of revisiting it through – every single band member oh
0: yeah sure i mean to me i thought it was such a luxury or i think of it as such a luxury to be able to introduce new new people to material or even or even put it this way like at the very beginning like when i was doing all the demos and i was trying to play every part and i was with various degrees of success, varying degrees of success. But even if I had this exact keyboard part, this exact guitar part, this exact this is the way I want the drums mm-hmm. to sound, I would bring it to those guys, and you know, it's not going to sound precisely that way. It was an interesting thing for me. Like, oh, that's your little spin on it, and that's cool.
1: Was the idea to to do this tour again? Did that happen before you were actually touring on the new record?
0: Uh, it might have happened
1: while we were touring on the new record, actually.
0: Is I think a couple people came up to me and said, you know, it'd be really nice if you re-released Sunlight Thunder. Mm. Oh yeah, we had also we also didn't have any copies of Sunlight Thunder at (laughs) at our disposal. It was just like
1: it didn't exist anymore in the world. Yeah,
0: you know, it wouldn't have been that hard to put together, but it was also kind of a nice thing to to do these shows. Yeah, a and it was also a nice thing to to put you know extra live tracks and show how the songs have changed and progressed. Like from my point of view it's really interesting to hear how shows are, or how songs are approached in a different way live and i think i have two different versions of love song number seven i've got different versions of uh, you know five different songs that we play and have been made to feel a certain way over the years and i always like that even tonight we're playing songs like uh, arm and hammer and mama won't you keep them castles in the air and they're almost unrecognizable i love that because i yeah. i have a tendency to. To really be attracted to um, people like Bob Dylan or, or Tom mm-hmm. Waits or you know people who reconstruct their songs as they go to make it interesting for them, you know, and hopefully the audience t- comes along and yeah. stays with them. But and if they don't,
1: then they'll play to smaller audiences. <laughs> but you're sort of meeting people halfway. You're not doing the we don't play any of our old stuff anymore. Right. You're yeah. playing the old stuff, but you're playing it a little bit. Yeah. oh yeah
0: absolutely you're right yeah there are some people who take a hard line against any of their yeah. old material which has always been very confusing to me i love revisiting all material and honestly i think it's a good sign that i'm not sick of yeah of any of the old material so
1: i think that th- the through line through a lot of this seems to be you trying to find like what that sort of tangible essence is that people are attracted to with you as a band and part of that means kind of testing the limits of the songs
0: yeah absolutely and you know to I think what's, what's really nice about live shows, which I've come around to as well, is that you really challenge yourself to, to provide some sort of thread in the live show that kind of makes, you know, the set list kind of run. Yeah. And, uh, if you have seven albums, now I have seven albums. And if you're pulling from each one of those, then you are challenged to make it work within that format. And so, you know, if you have four people, and you wrote a song with like a horn section or something like yeah. that, but it's not going to work with a horn. You know, your challenge to make that song stand up with what you have at your disposal. So that's, to me, that is really interesting about a live show. If somebody's challenged to make their song completely different than how it was recorded
1: because of what they have at that given time. And if the song, if you're successful, that's a big deal to me. It's interesting because it's run not just through the filter of who you are and the experiences that you've had in the 10, 12, however many years since you did it, but also through, you know, if you're touring on a new record, you're probably playing most of those songs. Right. So in a way, any old song you're playing is kind of filtered through The new album,
0: yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna—that's the thing. It's got to change all together, you know, at any given time. And so, so it's like, as I said, each album is sort of a document of where you are at a given time. Um, Each tour and each live show, even if you don't think you're changing, you probably are. I don't know. To me, to me, it's, it's it's, and it's not even a matter of getting better or worse. This is something that I discovered about musicians that i like you know if i was on board with tom waits if there was something that struck a chord with me about tom waits's work i was forever and i am still for i'm i'm i follow that guy yeah through everything he's made some strange choices as have we all but i think uh and so is bob dylan nobody's you know nobody's perfect but i think you sort of dedicate yourself to this this journey Mm. because you uh
1: there's something that that speaks to you directly about what he does you, know? you point to those two gentlemen who obviously have in the literal sense you, you know very well defined voices yeah and you do as well I mean, was that when you were first starting to put music down on record did you want to go out of your way to sound different than other people no no no, no. that's I just how you try. say it? that's how i sounded yeah. right away
0: yeah but um i that said i will say that i was you know greatly influenced by people like patty smith mm. and uh tom Verlaine and and bob dylan and like colin newman from wire and yeah you know, just a, a number of people that sort of shaped it whether or not i knew it but i was you know i was covering songs from those people and uh, so I, I was going to imitate them. So something directed me. Yeah.
1: The concept you brought up before about the notion that kind of everything could fall apart. Right. I mean, that's very much a part of your vocal stylings. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I mean,
0: everything falling apart. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like I'd prefer... I prefer like a, aggressive and substantive yeah. to uh, perfect. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, one of my... Not one of my favorite albums, but an album that I really like is uh, Kicking Against the Pricks by um, Nick Cave. Mm. And it's an album of, I think, all covers. And it's not by any means. And one, and I do like Nick Cave a lot. And sometimes I like him best when he is not absolutely nailing the vocals, but at the same time, absolutely nailing the yep. vocals. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's what I like. That to me is,
1: it makes sense. Was the new record harder to tour on, to difficult to sort of, you know, revisit every single night because of the place that you were in when it came together? I mean, you, oh, uh, you I don't know how much detail you've gone into on this, but like you were in a pretty bad place when those songs started coming together.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am still to a degree. Uh, <laughs> I needed to get a lot sleep last night. I'm not going to, oh, no, no, it's not, not that at all. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that. No, no, no. But um, yeah, I was. And um yeah, it was a difficult album to write and it was a difficult album to perform, but it did help me, I think, although it's a long process. I don't know. I mean, I did make it obscure enough to uh, make it difficult for people to figure out what what I was talking about. But, you know, I maybe I will reveal in,
1: in time if anybody really cares. <laughs> so there must be a little respite in being able to back away and play some some of the older things
0: oh yeah yeah and it's it's for a number of reasons i mean a lot of people do like even if even if now we like are able to get all of the um some loud thunder tracks uh, straight and it really is actually working it would be nice to fall back on some of this material that i never even endeavored to play with the earlier band because we thought that's just for the studio it's not gonna work live and now yeah. that I set myself a little bit to making it work live I think people would be appreciative of like let's say um I do album 6 for Clap Your Hands and then and it's a little bit you know people don't like it that much or whatever whatever might happen it doesn't really matter and then I go on tour and I pull something from Some Law of Thunder and I can pull something from the first album and make it all fit together yeah I don't know to me that's that's a necessary part of this whole thing and and it would be nice for people to kind of like again sort of take that journey back with me
1: and sort of have some idea where I'm coming from and I know you say that you don't pay attention to press. Um, and that kind of feedback doesn't really—I just don't read it. You it's, don't read it, no. but that—that that it doesn't have much of an impact on you. But there must be something gratifying in the fact that this is—I I think probably pretty easily—the latest record is your best received since your first one.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you really don't repress. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no. I heard—I just hear that if if I do interviews, people mention yeah. that. Um, I think that's that's interesting. I, I don't really—I don't understand why people like what they do. Yeah, still. My next album, I'll do it because I think it's the right album to make. Like the first one,
1: people like it, so be it. If they don't, was there a sense that if that uh, <laughs> it might not have as wide of an appeal if it was such a personal record? Uh, I mean, I know you said it's obscure, but like it really the the last one. Yeah. Oh, the message is, is obscure.
0: No, I mean they're all they're all pretty personal, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can write any other way. I was just listening to um, again, like this is where I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, and I, who I really want to be on a journey with. But I was listening to Blue Mask by Lou Reed today, and the ride down, and it's it's you know it's got its share of songs that I wouldn't have put out there lyrically anyway, but it's all very well done, I think musically, and and uh, it, the feel is is there completely. It was a very very personal record i think for for him he was almost pushing himself into a new territory of of autobiographical material and it was it was very much him and that's what i liked i mean because lou reed i can basically forgive him for most anything and to me i don't know if it's the time right now or or what but i feel like i'm i've always made personal albums and i've I've masked a lot of things, but it would be really nice to be direct like that, yeah. you know. And I feel like I'm venturing towards that. Like uh, Blood on the Tracks is, is is a very direct Yeah, of course. directly personal
1: album. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's we'll see what what happens. Is it less cathartic or less of a release if if you're really masking the details on the album? No, it's not. It means I know exactly what yeah.
0: what is happening. And really it's what i have always liked about i mean i've I've always not always but I, i do i have read a lot of poetry and i do i am interested in poetry and i do think that um i work really hard in the lyrics believe it or not or whether anybody believes it or not i i think for me it all makes sense and i you know i i don't specifically know why but i there are a lot of lines that i cross out which you know technically work a lot of stuff technically works but it doesn't
1: push it in the right direction. It's not right. Do you hate the process of going back and like explaining songs to people when somebody asks you about specifics? Yeah, yeah I do.
0: I mean, as, as far as I can go is that the lyrics don't just come pouring out of me and I yeah. don't just put it down whatever comes to mind. I mean, some people do and some people are kind of, I, I don't know, sort of successful. I wouldn't really call them supreme lyricists who do that. I don't know anybody who really can get everything right. And uh, But I, I, I think yeah. that that you have to work like anything else do you ever get jealous of
1: people for whom it seems to just kind of pour out
0: i don't i think if anybody says that that's the case then they're wrong or, or they're not telling the truth and um i think it's, it's I, what bam
1: morrison said about astral weeks that it came to him while he was sitting on a, I, a porch i
0: yeah
1: uh, uh,
0: i know that <laughs> album very well uh, i don't know for that possibly i don't think that's like a when I think of like great lyrics, I think more of um yeah something like Blood on the Tracks or yeah. um some some earlier Velvet Underground stuff or even you know let's see who who are the, some of the other great you know Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. you know people like that. Yeah. I don't Poets. necessarily think, of... Smith. yeah, and yeah. Van Morrison. I really, I I happen to really like the lyrics
1: on that album, but I don't think that that was the point. Yeah, you know, he was yeah. almost speaking in tongues on that. Yeah, album. I mean, like... <laughs> so is every album? Is every song struggle for you? Uh
0: yes, I would say, mo- yeah. I mean, it depends. Like Satan said, dance was not as much of a struggle for me as, let's say, some loud thunder. The song some loud hmm. thunder, uh, or. Into My Alien Arms was a struggle for me, but not as much as like Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, yeah it depends on the song, you know. Because Five Easy Pieces, to me, clearly is... I mean, I did work in the lyrics, but it clearly is a song that's built around a changing chord progression and a melody that sort of hovers. It's, it's more for effect than it is, like, listen to these lyrics, aren't they fascinating? In the
1: 10 years since that album came out, have you gotten better about being self-critical?
0: No, maybe worse. Actually. Yeah. I are mean, you working on oh, it? on my, uh,
1: of myself? I mean, yeah. Uh, on an album. Um, probably. well, just, just on, I mean, it's, it seems like just in every, general. <laughs> every, well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, you know, not yeah. like in your daily life, obviously, although I'm sure those things are connected, but it yeah. just sounds like every part of the process for you. Yeah. You, you sort of, I can make... you probably go home, like lie in bed, with your eyes open and and I go think, through every I, I could have done
0: that and yeah. it so much better no i'm just kidding uh yeah. yeah you're right it's it's um you know it's it's in it's my personality a very anxious critical person and i know that yes i have been trying to work on that do you
1: think that it drives you and potentially makes the stuff that you make better because you second guess everything or at least you want to make you want to make each album better than the last
0: i do i I think usually it's more torturous in fact you know take take 25 was just it it worked take 25 worked you know and take 82 as oh it was overworked you know what i mean like 82 i'm just exaggerating here but my point is like I will throw, I will do thirty different takes on some. I was just telling somebody this the other day. Thirty different takes, or, or variations, or something like that, of a given song because I believe in it, and I do think actually I can identify what's working for me and what doesn't. It's a, it would almost be humorous, <laughs> and then I throw it away. I do, I'll do work for an entire day or something on one song, and then I'll throw it away. uh so, it's ironic how
1: much effort goes into making things sound effortless.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't know that, but I think artists and songwriters, I think a lot of people have a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about.
1: Have you already started thinking about the next one? Or are you mm-hmm. taking some time to yourself? No, I'm I'm working on it now.
0: Yeah. In fact I'm trying to work on that. I I always am trying to get ready for the next. And little does do most people know, including some of the guys who played on it, the first album took me a long, long time. And yeah, it was a it was a long and torturous process. And then, and then when it was finished, I was honestly, I didn't want to release it. <laughs> uh, and I wasn't going to, but, uh, my mom said
1: that I should. <laughs> it's true. She said, put it out and see what happens. I mean, is there a part of the process that you genuinely enjoy? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I love songwriting. Yeah. I think it's, I just. I sort of try to hold myself to a certain standard and I, I love it. And when, when I, when you get it, when you get it right, there's, there's no better feeling, I think, when you know that you've got it, you know. There were times when I was... And even if it's, like, it's just right for you, that's yeah. all. But there were times when I would work on something in the morning, and then I have to... uh And I and I was just... Everything was really moving, and it was really working. And then I'd have to do some other things during the day. But in the back of my mind, I was... I wanted to You're excited. Yeah, I was excited, and the whole day, I, all I could think of was running back there and hearing yeah. what I had done, because it, it was so new to me that I didn't really... Sometimes... Usually I wasn't disappointed, but usually I made a couple adjustments if, if I had that feeling. It's kind of rare to have that feeling again and again and again. Has it gotten any easier? Yeah. I, no, but I think there are certain adjustments that I need to make otherwise that might, might help. You think you've gotten better at it? I think I've gotten to understand what I need to do to, to be better you know and it has not always everything to do with actually songwriting it has to do with what's going on in your own yeah. life i mean a lot of the reason why the first album and the second like i was relaxed about those two albums a lot of the reason why i think maybe van morrison said he could just sort of channel it even if it wasn't true was probably because he was in a good place
1: i don't know that's just my theory There you go, that was Alec Onsworth of Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. Really enjoyed that conversation. I was lucky enough, actually, to sit through a sound check before we sat down to talk ahead of their show at the Bowery Ballroom. And I'm glad I had the opportunity to do it, because, you know, it gave me some insight into just how much work the band was putting into, uh, in a sense, reimagining, but, you know, certainly replaying this entire record from years and years ago, which I think was a pretty vastly underrated thing. Due in no small part to the runaway success of the band's first record. Highly recommend you check out their latest record, The Tourist. It's, um, as I mentioned, has been getting some of the best reviews of the band's career, and for for a very good reason. Thank you so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Nathan for helping set up that conversation. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. Most of them are very easy. All of them are, I mean, very easy, but you can, for example... Rate us and review us over on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. If you've got any feedback, it's rilcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rilcast.tumblr.com. And that is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. And that's about all we got for this week. So stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L.